0: crumb time or should i say bienvenidos yes that's what we should say we are having a classic again i love the classics i do too i've had them all pretty much
1: right it's not new for the cocktail but it's fun to find stories that go with our classic cocktails
0: i legitimately had this one last night so (laughs) um because it's one of my favorite drinks it's the
1: margarita i don't often have them simply because i once years ago read how many calories were in it
0: this one would not have that many calories because no, you did it skinny yes i did use a little simple syrup but i used like a teaspoon yeah for the like our whole thing
1: so you didn't use triple sec you used
0: simple syrup instead no i used um i used grand marnier okay. instead of triple sec because i like the taste better
1: now the only way i've ever had grand marnier in a margarita is with the traditional margarita and then the grand marnier floated on the top and I believe they call that a Cadillac.
0: Yes, I did I just mixed I mixed it mixed all in. in. Yeah. So The
1: time that I remember having Cadillacs, we were in Disneyland and we had sixty dollars left on the little Disney charge card thing. You're gotta use it. And yes, well that's what we did. We the girls were like, we want a balloon, we want this. And and husband and I were like, no, we are drinking this sixty dollars, which was a grand total of two and a half margaritas. Yeah, it was like that was like two and a half drinks. <laughs> yes,
0: it was not much. Um so we are using um the hand-blown mexican glass margarita glasses with the blue rim um came home on my lap we did blended we we opted for blended this time you can have them on the rocks i like them both ways yeah
1: i like them blended
0: you like them blended so i just went ahead and did it all blended yeah um and then yeah we have salt on the rim it's very traditional
1: i'm putting all of my salt inside your salt is all going off the rim salty margarita
0: all right she's almost done with that I'm gonna
1: taste you so. start drinking I have to mix my salt in with my tequila yum that's the only way I can do tequila
0: I um typically use fresh lime juice like I said a little bit of simple syrup uh silver tequila and your favorite orange liqueur which I like Grand Marnier
1: yeah um the tequila that you use um like I said I'm not a tequila fan at all like flat don't like it um but we were at a local restaurant for it's a very night spot for um the over 21 sets but they apparently rent the upstairs for private parties and so for the 13th birthday party of some very good friends of daughter number one they rented this space and so all the kids are up there dancing and all of the dads came down and we were downstairs with in-laws because they were here from nashville and all of the dads came down we're doing shots and so we got there and they're like we're doing tequila i'm like no and it was this same tequila it was so
0: good that's why i thought this is the one you talked about when you said you liked it so that's why i got this one because i typically would buy like whatever like was on a good deal this is actually on sale so
1: yeah husband has purchased this tequila to give as presents he liked it so much yeah i do like this one he's not a massive tequila fan either i'm literally putting an entire pinch of salt in my mercury (laughs) before i even taste it because i just know i'm gonna want it all right it is your turn to go first tell me a story so um i
0: really struggled i told you this already i did not struggle coming up with a topic i struggled Mm. getting the story organized just because it's there's a lot but there's also like in certain portions there's not a lot Mm -hmm. and it was just hard to organize but I'm going to do my best so I'm going to talk about Kiki Camarena okay so if you've seen um Narcos or if you've seen The Last Narc on Netflix and Amazon you might be familiar with his story but uh Enrique Kiki Camarena was born in 1947 in Mexicali Mexico his family including his three brothers and three sisters immigrated to Calexico California when he was a child. He graduated from high school there. He joined the Marines. And when he got out of the Marines, he joined the Calexco Police Department. Yeah. And while he was there, he started working undercover as a special agent. He was on the Imperial County Narcotic Task Force. And in 1973, the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, um, was established. So they immediately started looking for um, Spanish-speaking agents. Right so kiki and his sister myrna both were hired in 1974 by the dea myrna was hired as a secretary and kiki became a special agent he was assigned to the Colexco office so he got to work at his home in his hometown nice in 1977 kiki was reassigned to the fresno district office which was a bigger office there he was able to work undercover again he worked on drug smuggling activities in the san joaquin valley he um was just he's a really fascinating guy but he had the ability like he could slip into a puerto rican accent he could he could you know speak like in a more formal spanish he could use mexican um gutter slang is what they called it he was just really adaptable
1: it reminds me of that guy you did that infiltrated the mob yes jack um Mm -hmm. i can't remember he was what puerto rican and he infiltrated the italian mob yes
0: he he does remind me a lot of him and um, so he could do whatever was demanded of him. The, his colleagues at the DEA said that he was driven even by the standards of other DEA agents. Ooh. So in 1980, a DEA colleague and a close friend of Kiki's suggested that he apply for a reassignment in Guadalajara because that's where the friend was at and said there's an opening here. And I'm
1: hearing hearing... Um... Does is sing the song? Oh. <laughs> Guadalajara. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry.
0: <laughs> I had fun spelling or typing Guadalajara a number of times. Oh, my bad. <laughs> it turns out I'm actually pretty good at it. Nice.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm really enjoying this margarita, even though I hate tequila. This oh,
0: is very, very good. I will say for blended margaritas, if you're just doing a single portion or like a double, like I did, I have the proportion down like exactly to get the right blend this ice ratio. This is
1: probably the best margarita I've ever had in my entire life.
0: I am. Um, i
1: typically do
0: two and a half ounces of liquor including your orange liqueur and then three ounces of your other mix-ins which if you use a mix you can do that or i did lime juice and then just like our tablespoon of simple syrup or teaspoon which
1: is gonna give you a better it's not gonna be sweet
0: yeah and then you fill your glass with ice and dump that into the blender and then you have like the perfect ratio yeah
1: it's really really good so like that's I my trick. might want more but we're out of limes so that's um
0: well we could always improvise with
1: lime juice non-fresh
0: lime juice yes which i think only have key lime juice but we figure well, it out i think we have four limes left okay
1: we may have to have more yeah. this is good
0: i'm really good at making I'm enjoying
1: margaritas.
0: it <laughs> um let's see anyway so he you know weighed his options being assigned to a foreign post in the dea was really important if you wanted to advance right so, makes sense. and he's like, Guadalajara, like, you know, there's a lot of drug trafficking grow- starting up. It was the 1980s. That was like kind of the explosion of Mexican drug trafficking. And, yeah. you know, stock he- market. Exactly. <laughs> and by this time he had um, three sons. He was married and he thought like, well, this will be good for my family because, you know, we can save some money. It's super inexpensive to live in Mexico. Um, the weather's really good. So he decides to put in for it so i would not turn down a post in mexico me neither depending on the area though does my university have a job in mexico because i would go there today
1: right i could teach online from a beach Mm -hmm. that'd be totally
0: fine i as um troubled as mexico history has been i love mexico
1: i've not been in years and years and years and i
0: want to go oh i just love mexico
1: I enjoyed my Florida vacation as far as beach goes, but we went totally off season. I like the, um, secludedness Mm -hmm. feeling of Mexico.
0: Well, so I was in Mexico during the pandemic and there was, it was really nice like to, I mean, I'm not kidding you. We had these, this spot like where we were sunbathing and the pool was right behind us. The Mm -hmm. bar was to our left and there was a bathroom there and we were looking out at, um los arcos like beautiful view and there were whales
1: that's all you need that in a book and you're good it could not have gotten better than that God, i was so jealous of you getting to go on that trip like if i had a passport i would have crushed oh
0: and nobody else was there yeah like i mean there were people there but typically um when you go you know like by eight in the morning half of the good sunbathing spots are taken right. it was like
1: Well, that was what was awesome about this florida vacation it was it was off season and it was still warm and there was nobody there
0: yeah it was really nice anyway back to guadalajara back to guadalajara so in 1980 um oh summer of 1980 kiki um starts his post in guadalajara and as i mentioned that drug trafficking during this time was on the rise in mexico and some of the reasons for that were that. Under the president Jose Lopez Portillo, um they he banned the um aerial spotting and eradication of marijuana, which was like a big program from the other president. He didn't ban it. He ba- put a lot of restrictions on it, which made it really hard for um the Mexican agents and the DEA agents to use aerial mm-hmm. spotting.
1: Well, speaking as, you know, a United States citizen with our constitution and our protections, I think that's okay you're spying on someone's property without their consent which they've done in california that i mean they
0: do and have done the exact same thing i don't like it i don't like it either i don't
1: think that you should be able to invade someone's property by looking at them from above right
0: but obviously this made it easier for the plant plantations to grow yes And also during the late 70s and early 80s, cocaine trafficking was growing in Colombia like super rapidly. And
1: that's what you think of more so when you think of DEA in the 80s.
0: Yes, because, which is why trafficking grew in Mexico, because they were all focused on Colombia and the cocaine trafficking. So Mexico was kind of left like a little... um, hands now, off
1: what is going on in Mexico right now is that cocaine or is that because I wouldn't think marijuana would be very big anymore now that it's in Mexico right legal. now
0: is methamphetamine Ew, they're nice. the number one producer of methamphetamine in the world really yes huh
1: I that's um I think of that more as a United States thing but yeah, I guess it, we've done. it was
0: it was for quite a while and Mexico's like pretty much completely taken that market over like if um breaking bad were to happen today, like they would have already taken over that.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Huh. The things you'll learn. I know. I don't know, not into drugs. No. I like me some booze. Um Yeah. Also, um <laughs> I agree with that. I <laughs> got a little distracted there. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about booze. I'm like, where am I? <laughs> On our booze podcast. <laughs> Um, Oh, here we are.
0: So anyway, also there were several major drug traffickers that came up um, to replace a bunch of drug traffickers who were arrested and killed in the 70s. And it all kind of happened at once. So they could build larger plantations. Nobody was really focusing on Mexico. There's all these drug traffickers that are like able to be have these big cartels. And so Guadalajara like was one of the first areas that had, quote unquote, the cartel. They had the Guadalajara cartel
1: oh interesting okay
0: yeah which is why they had a DEA post there
1: and this is probably I'm not kidding this is better than Disneyland's margarita this is the best I, margarita. I'm I've telling you had.
0: I got really good at making margaritas you
1: got really good at making margaritas okay back to Kiki so
0: Kiki obviously was looking at major marijuana plantations because that's what was happening in Guadalajara he so the earlier plantations prior to the eight like in the 70s prior to the 80s they were all in these really remote areas um they were harder to spot because it was like you know in forested areas they were able to irrigate without using or or drilling for a well because mountainous areas again they were using streams diverting streams kind of like what's Uh happening in our mountains Uh um, on the coast in california
1: don't go hiking there anymore
0: do not go hiking in the on the coastal range in california
1: bad things will happen to you
0: yeah but the drawbacks with that obviously is that it was very expensive to transport to these remote places the yields were pretty low and the quality wasn't that good oh interesting
1: yeah so is it the soil
0: it's everything it's just the whole condition because they you know like uh canopy cover from the trees Uh and then
1: like they weren't getting now you always hear about the agave shortage was the agave shortage partially caused by this because they ripped out agave to put in marijuana i don't think so because to what i'm
0: seeing here they did not rip out anything they were using forested land forested land and desert land later gotcha so um the new plantations used a newer variety of marijuana it was seedless it had a better yield it was higher quality, more powerful, and it like brought so much more money on the American market because if you remember as a younger person, I didn't use marijuana, but um, like I... in high school and stuff, I remember people saying, oh, that's Mexican stuff, that's crap, or you know, like... Huh. I a... don't
1: remember that,
0: but... I do. I
1: was really out of that. I too. went to a high
0: school where a lot of people did use marijuana, but it, Mexican marijuana had a reputation for being crappy. Interesting. Which...
1: Before this, it was. I think it's so, when you said that, it was seedless. It's so interesting that we're producing these plants, like watermelon and marijuana and whatever else, that is a one and done seed. Yeah,
0: banana. That does
1: not reproduce itself. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, in 500 years, what are we going to discover that that is done to us or the plant? Or, you know, it's just it seems we're just we're fucking with stuff we shouldn't be fucking with
0: someone email us in 500 years and tell us
1: please do so (laughs) it probably will happen sooner than that but it doesn't that concern you like we're just we're mucking with stuff that we shouldn't be mucking around it depends on
0: how it's done if it's if it's done just through selective breeding i don't really have a problem with that um but if you know there's chemicals involved or like if they're rearranging the dna of the plant
1: yeah well even selective breeding you're still breeding you're you're reducing the gene pool but i mean i don't have a variety i
0: don't have a problem with that in the i don't think that i think that it would reduce eventually reduce the quality of that product but it's not going to cause any like weird um like sci-fi
1: problems no i'm not thinking that i don't think i'm just thinking we're eating this wheat that's been oh the wheat i have a problem with I'm, yeah
0: i'm not even gonna start on that
1: and i eat know i eat me a lot of corn and wheat because <laughs> i like some bread corn is another
0: one i'm just talking, like seedless watermelons if it's done through selective breeding i don't really have a problem i with.
1: don't eat that much watermelon i don't know we're off on a tangent that we don't need to be on let's realize way back in, way but...
0: <laughs> although watermelon margarita is delicious
1: could be good
0: um let's see where was i okay so yeah the new plantations were primarily located in remote desert areas transportation was a lot easier because it's not mountainous it was a lot less expensive but they had to drill or yeah drill for wells right i'm just
1: it's it. they're putting marijuana which i think of like humboldt county wet Lots of water. They're mm. putting it in the desert.
0: They're putting yeah. And so they needed a lot of water. So during this time we from Northern California have a thing with water because So Cal's stealing ours. Mexico had a thing with water too because they had very strict laws governing drilling wells. But the cartels got around it with money. Oh, yeah. Throw money at it, it'll
1: go away. So they're stealing water from cities, I'm assuming. They're they're tapping into the water too. Oh, likely. very likely that's sad children like don't have water yeah potentially
0: so the other problem with the desert plantations is obviously they're easier to spot like if you're right in a helicopter and you're in the lush forest you might not spot the small plantation but if you're in the desert you might not not be able to see this huge plantation
1: if you're driving down the freeway you might not not be able to see this huge plantation but
0: as I mentioned before the DEA they were prohibited from overflights like solo overflights so there was like some way they could do it along with the Mexican officials but they couldn't just go ahead and do their own overflights.
1: Could li- they pursue a lead that was obtained from say a commercial flight or a private flight? Absolutely. Um they but they were also
0: prohibited from undercover work in Guadalajara. Interesting. So the DEA agents like they basically had to cultivate this whole series of informants. That's how they got stuff done. Um they uh basically like every lead that came into them basically came in from an informant. They didn't do any proactive scouting or whatever. Interesting. So Kiki as I mentioned before was an awesome like he was really just a like awesome guy but he excelled with working with informants like everybody loved him everybody wanted to work for him people put their lives on the line to give him information wow yeah He was a good dude oh he was such a good dude from everything like i watched you know this i noticed you're saying was okay i don't i'm not trying to make this a sad thing (laughs) okay anyway go ahead um So Kiki worked with an informant that was called Miguel Sanchez. That was the name they used for him. And he helped Kiki lead to the discovery of one of the new style plantations in 1982. So Miguel Sanchez became friends with this guy that was running the plantation. And he told him kind of where it was and that it was in a small town or outside of a small town called Venegas in the state of San Luis Potosí so he also told him that the main financier of the plantation was a cartel member named Juan Jose Esparagoza Moreno so with Miguel's help they finally locate this plantation in 1982 in August so this time Kiki was able to arrange for overflights so they fly over it they confirm that it is like a huge plantation so he
1: had the suspicion prior and then he could get a warrant but yeah he
0: was able to arrange for it somehow yeah. like i don't i don't know how it works in mexico it could have just been like
1: but that makes sense if he's if he's got a, a suspicion he's just yeah he's not fishing he's confirming
0: yeah not just like straight up like i'm gonna fly everywhere and see what i can see right um so then he talked to the mexican authorities and said this is what we have so um they found the plantation in, in august they raided it in september and they discovered that there were over 200 acres of oh my gosh. plants. And it was like there were hundreds of g- growers that were employed there. The, and the DEA estimated that there were over 4,000 tons of marijuana that they destroyed after they raided it.
1: Wow. I would have such a
0: headache. I know. <laughs> um, at that time, that was the largest plantation that the DEA had ever discovered.
1: Hmm.
0: So Kiki, like this kind of made him a name to uh-huh. the cartels mm. so he kind of popped the up bad on guys the radar know who he is yeah now.
1: i remember years and years ago I've, I've spoken of this event that i had uh before but we were this event took place in my grandmother's backyard and she bought a whole bunch of plants to like make it look pretty and everything and she bought this plant and she planted it in the little flower bed and out pops a um pot plant oh she does not know what to do so she um calls the only person that she knew that was in law enforcement which was a young man that she babysat when he was a tiny baby oh my gosh and she said oh my gosh blah 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 what do i do about this pot plant and he says well joe first thing don't tell me about it (laughs) so my grandfather's son suggested that we pull it up and burn it and he of course wanted to be there when that happened that's funny yeah
0: (laughs) um i have such a salty taste right now i
1: love it okay i'm a salt person okay back to kiki back
0: to kiki in 1984 uh, the mexican government based on information that they received from the dea destroyed a 2500 or yeah 2500 acre marijuana plantation in allende it had a production yield estimated to be eight billion dollars that's a crap ton of money yeah it was called rancho bufalo and kiki was the um he was suspected of and likely was the source of the information that was um given to the mexican government so again he's popping up on the radar
1: that's an um, that's not popping up on the radar that's hi look at me yeah i am causing you problems and costing you money yes um so now
0: it gets a little sad
1: Uh mine's not like, super like happy either
0: so on february 7th 1985 kiki was abducted uh, yeah it, um he was uh, another man also was abducted and that was his pilot that he frequently used they were um abducted by corrupt mexican officials who were working for the cartels
1: so guys that are posing as good guys that are real bad guys yes
0: he was taken to a residence located at 881 lope de vega in the Col- colonia of the jardines in the western section of guadalajara and it was a residence owned by rafael caro quintero who was a major member of the guadalajara cartel
1: so i wish i had their money and they had
0: jail yeah um so Camarena was tortured over a 30 hour period and finally murdered his skull was punctured by a metal object his ribs were broken his body was discovered wrapped in a in plastic in a rural area outside of a small town near Mioacan on march 5th 1985 which was my 10th birthday which is super weird because that was one of my best best birthdays ever and now i'm thinking like i was having like an awesome birthday party his kids were not yeah
1: oh yeah okay don't think about that
0: um so anyway the dea launched operation leyenda which is basically means legend the largest dea homicide investigation ever undertaken i
1: like that that's what they called it
0: yeah um they dispatched a special unit to coordinate the investigation um several government officials mexican government officials were implicated in the whole seriously thing. yeah including miguel ibera herrera the past director of the mexican federal judicial police for a second i thought you said pastor <laughs> past director
1: that's still horrifying yeah. and bad
0: and also Miguel Aldana Ibarra which was he was the former director of Interpol in Mexico
1: oh my gosh so
0: corruption goes real high real high yeah um so the if the investigators soon found that Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo and two associates Ernesto Fonseco Carrillo and the person who owned the house Rafael Rafael caro quintero were the primary suspects um so the u.s government pressured the mexican government and the mexican president miguel de la madrid quickly caught all of all well he they caught carrillo and quintero but felix gallardo was under political protection why so, I feel like he was a relation to somebody that was high up. Like he was pr- he was being protected.
1: So So they caught them. They had evidence that they were connected to this. Yes. Good.
0: So the speculation and if you watch like the Last Narco, which I need to rewatch. I really want to rewatch it, but a lot of it's in Spanish, so you have to read it. So it's not mm. like it's not a relaxing Well, A, the story is not relaxing. No. B, you have to like actually pay attention to it and read the subtitles. But there is speculation that the United States CIA had a hand in Kiki being abducted and murdered.
1: Um, not okay with that.
0: Yeah. So the allegations at the time were that the CIA were working with the cartels. And... For what
1: purpose? To what end?
0: So... They were basically colluding to, it's really hard to explain. Like, I wish I could explain it, but they, it was, um, beneficial for both of them to be working together at that time for whatever the purpose was that I can't think of right now. So the cartel members, Rita, ever. <laughs> the ever. cartel members with the knowledge that the CIA knew what was going on, supposedly abducted kiki to try to find out how much he knew but kiki didn't know anything about the cia
1: he's an american citizen i'm assuming yes the cia is not supposed to kill american citizens even on foreign soil correct
0: and i mean there's no official word on this there's no way we're ever going to know but this if you watch the last narco which i recommend you do if you're at all interested in this It lays it out beautifully. I mean, it's like, I think it's like four episodes and they're like over an hour long. So way longer than I can ever explain here. And his wife is interviewed. um, His friends, like they, they do such a good job. Oh my goodness. Um, But also, as I already mentioned, there was a lot of corruption within the Mexican government, even the president. So the president, Miguel de la Madrid, used to get kilos of cocaine from the cartels as gifts
1: the president of Mexico is using enough cocaine that he needs to be gifted kilos or he's, he's distributing, distributing it for it. presents yes but
0: wowzers yeah and then this is I thought this was a interesting note so after Kiki died um congressman Kiki or congressman Kiki no not congressman so congressman Duncan Hunter and Kiki's high school friend Henry Lozano launched Camarena Club at the Colexco High School and hundreds of members of the club, like all wore red ribbons and they pledged to have like a healthy, drug-free life in honor of Kiki. Mm. So that actually is what started Red Ribbon red Week. Red
1: Ribbon Week? Yeah. Oh my
0: gosh. So Nancy Reagan is the one that like formalized it for the whole country, but mm. it was because of Kiki that we have Red Ribbon Week. I'm sorry, speaking as an activities director,
1: really (laughs) just because it's five more days of dress up it's five five days of dress up days but But it's a good it's a good thing to put in the kids minds don't do this now
0: that i know why it's in why it happens it makes it a little better so yes
1: i could tolerate putting up with it so
0: i looked at heavy.com um fff.org which was an article called the torture and execution of kiki camarina um wikipedia new that's york horrifying. post and the dea.gov has a biography of him also
1: that's very very cool I'm literally licking this glass Clayton. yes you are <laughs> <laughs> it's really good um that's super sad
0: after we finish this story I might have to make another one while we wait for the kids
1: I don't pause though I get pee so you get to tell me a story so my margarita I struggled with the margarita
0: it's funny because i did not struggle with my topic i struggled with writing the story
1: that's interesting so i was going to do one of the multitudes of princess margaritas um the most interesting one that i found as far as connections was princess margarita who is the sister of what's his name married to the queen
0: there's a lot of people married to queens no
1: the queen the british queen oh my god, Prince Philip Phillip? yes so his sister is a Margarita his oldest sister but the most interesting thing that she did was in the 20s she got married after her two younger sisters okay so that story is done next yes. story <laughs> her mother was very interesting but her name was Anne, not Margarita um, then I just kept looking at margaritas and I looked at the Margarita region I couldn't do that, and couldn't, do that and couldn't do that but then I found this woman who i looked at her and i thought oh well, i know her she's interesting is she interesting enough for a podcast before i even i decided to do her prior to finding out just how interesting she is so we're in for a ride we're in for a ride we're in for a ride this is the story of um margarita carmen canesino i once i tell you who she actually becomes I will tell you a little more about her but anyway so margarita carmen canesino was born in brooklyn on october 17th 1918 to show his parents mm-hmm. she her father was named eduardo he was a spanish dancer her mother was volga who then a zigfield girl Ooh. zigfield follies um, margarita's grandfather was a literally capital letters huge deal in Spanish dancing, he brought bolero to America.
0: I right now have the lyric from Mr. Jones in my head, where it says, "Show me some of your Spanish dancing. Yes. Pass me a bottle. Sweet little margarita." Jones.
1: Was that Spanish dancer? So he brought Amer he brought bolero to American audiences. This he gave her her first dance lessons ever at the age of three.
0: Oh wow! Yes that's actually i could picture that though because i had a coworker who his wife ran a dance studio and uh-huh. when their daughter was born she was in dance class at three
1: so she from that point on her life according to her was just a mix of dance lessons and performances and she said she went along with it even if she didn't like it because that is what her family did quote i didn't like it very much but i didn't have the courage to tell my father so i began taking dance lessons rehearse 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 that was my girlhood
0: i'm so curious who she is and i'm wondering if she got out of dance because she of what is happening now
1: we'll find out so she attended dance class and well she was born in
0: 1918 i know so i'm like really struggling with who she is okay i was gonna say if she was born later like if she was born in the 50s maybe it was abby lee miller but from dance moms but obviously that's not true
1: so she attended dance classes every day for a few years she even went to the carnegie hall complex for her dance lessons she was taught also by her uncle angel canasino before her fifth birthday she was in the four casinos, which were featured in the broadway production of the greenwich village follies so she was in broadway she at five yeah at five um, at the winter garden theater in 1926 at the age of eight she was featured in la fiesta which is a short film by warner brothers
0: sophia Loren? no that's too she's too old no. i mean that's too old
1: so from then on margarita was in constant dance training you're gonna find out very very soon okay her family moved her to hollywood when she was eight because her father began giving personal dance studio dance lessons to big stars he actually taught i didn't write down these hollywood stars i suck big, big lots guys. of stars big guys big guys you'd recognize the names but there, the depression hits and then people were not taking dance lessons because they have to have money for, oh, food.
0: Yeah. They can't afford dance shoes if they can't afford
1: shoes. Correct. So he's got to figure out how to make money. Money. So he decides to take his daughter and him on a dance tour as the dancing camisanos. Well, she's only, oh, 12. So she can't work in the United States. So they go down to Tijuana. Now... But they're a huge hit in Tijuana because this is where all of the rich and famous people from Hollywood are going to spend their money because, you know, the United States is a big bummerville. Yeah. I am getting text after text after text. (laughs) Sorry about that. So, um, she is, while she is in Mexico dancing, she's scouted by a talent scout from Fox Studios who says, okay... Your name, Margarita, that's silly. You're going to be named Rita. Rita, Con- Rita Moreno. No. Oh. <laughs> she, she's I'm giving, giving you-
0: me the like, shut up symbol. <laughs>
1: um, so she is billed as Rigo- Rita Conosuelo for a six-month contract. She's offered small parts. Um, at the end of the six-month contract, they're like, ah, thanks for playing. Bye now. Have a good life. So then, at the age of 18... She elopes to Vegas with a man who is as old as her father named Edward Judson. He is an oil man who decided, hey, I'm going to make some money being a talent scout. So he was her manager prior to being her husband. And after they were married, he starts just farming around. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. She's got modeling contracts, she's got acting jobs, she's got dancing jobs. He is just farming her out. At the towards the end of their marriage, he says with a threat of "quote unquote great bodily harm, she forces him to for he forces her to work over $12,000 that she had earned through the contracts and things that she had gotten him. Now, he's being the manager he deserves something but usually it's like 20 percent. correct he takes everything there's a quote which i did not write down where she's like and he got me this contract and he took this money and he got me this contract and he took this money he basically was just milking her milking her drive so she eventually leaves and then she says after the divorce he quote he helped me with my career and helped himself to my money um judson helped land condes consulu er, her a Consuelo. yes consuela consuela a string of bit parts and eventually won her a screen test with columbia pictures in 1937 columbia pictures liked her signed her to a seven-year contract um and she spent a few months doing sultry ethnic parts but columbia at this point was interested in having a new star they wanted to rival mgm's Glamour and glitz of the time. So
0: obviously they can't call her Rita or Margarita. Correct.
1: So they decide we need to redo her. Her image is too Mediterranean. She is limited to, according to Cohen, who is one of the big shots. Cohen is a big. He's a big plot point. She hates him. He owns her. It's not a good relationship. Yeah. Um. So Cohen argues that her image was too mediterranean which limited her to exotic roles so he felt that her name her last name sounded too spanish now she's spanish her last name sounds spanish okay yeah
0: that checks out
1: yes so they decided to change her name and so connie francis not just change her name but so rita canesino becomes rita hayworth oh rita hayworth rita hayworth how dumb am i not only does she become rita hayworth but they whisk her away and put her in a hotel room where they proceed to dye her black hair to a strawberry flaming red and they give her electrolysis to take away her widow's peak and widen her forehead
0: like that show that they had like the swan or whatever when they would take like the
1: yeah yeah So there are pictures of Rita Conosuelo, gorgeous Spanish princess, and then Rita Hayworth, who is stunning, stunning. But she is the all-American beauty. And they did it by electrolysis, by changing her hairline
0: oh interesting just
1: crazy but they weren't even like secretive about it they were just like this is what we're doing and like the public knew it was insane so she goes into the hotel room as rito canceno and she emerges as the all-american beauty rita hayworth now sweet little rita hayworth who i was just like oh she's an american actress is she interesting well okay so she continues with films and she does a few mediocre films she gets has the role as an unfaithful wife opposite gary grant in only angels have wings in 1939 they're like eh she's all right two years after the relatively unknown actress shared the screen with grant hayworth was a star she like boom the they gave her the nickname the great american love goddess ooh yes in 1941, she took the state, took the screen opposite James Cagney in Strawberry Blonde. She leaves her husband and on February 24th, 1942, with a complaint move. of cruelty. Yes, because he's stealing all of her money. Yeah. She's doing great. She's like on her own. Everything is set. Cohen is starting to build her up in 1940s features. Music in My Heart, The Lady in Question, Angels Over Broadway. She is on loan to Warner Brothers and she appears as the second female lead in Strawberry Blonde, opposite James Cadby. Then she gets to dance with Fred Astaire. Ooh. Yes. Fred Astaire, when pressed, he never wanted to say, but when pressed, he admitted that Rita Hayworth was his favorite dance partner to dance with. Oh, that's he saying was, a lot. Because yes, he
0: had, like, the best of the, the best. The best
1: of the best. He was very, like rigid and formulaic and just danced according to the dance steps and she not only had the training to follow him with the dance steps but she had the natural talent and ability to improvise and be spontaneous well and
0: like her cultural dance background and that
1: is what it was so there's pictures of the two of them dancing and she every picture that she has dancing with Fred Astaire she just has this Exuberant look on her face. Like she's just happy. Wow. Um, the 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 dance things that they did, I watched one. I actually sat and watched one. So nowadays when you have a couple dancing on stage or on on film, they might film them doing this move and then film them doing this move and blah blah and blah. From and all these together. different angles. Yes, and they got it together. In those days, they filmed it four times in a row from four different angles. And you danced the entire time. So they were like 10, 12-minute stretches where they were just dancing. And they filmed it here, and then they moved to here, and they, and they just put it all together based on all of these different shots. Yeah. But they danced the entire time.
0: Not just like, okay, do that move.
1: Right, no. It was, you're dancing? We're just going to film you. Dance. So it was amazing. <laughs> they but... need to go back to that. I know. But anyway, so he says that she is his best dance partner. Um, and then she's she's being photographed everywhere. Like, she is the it girl. And when asked about the attention, she says, why should I mind? I like having my picture taken and being a glamorous person. Sometimes when I find myself getting impatient, I just remember that there of the times that I cried my eyes out because nobody wanted to take my picture at the Trocadero, she 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 appreciated being a star, All of the attention that went with it. she understood that it came because the people wanted to see her, and she appreciated that fact. see, so I
0: think that people need to be more mindful of that. like in today's age where fame and celebrity is so easy to come by, it's like you're asking for all Correct. of it. You need to accept all of it all of
1: it. If you didn't want this, don't do that,
0: yeah. So, like the kardashians i can't knock them they're they live their best life totally i don't pay attention to them but also they're they're doing what they meant to do
1: yes and they cultivated this quote-unquote cult around them oh 100 to to do this so you cannot then turn around and say leave, they me alone. Leave, it, leave me alone well rita um hayworth was not like that she was like okay come take my picture By 1940, there were 3,800 stories and 12,000 pictures of her.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's not, like, in today's picture. Like, the picture inflation in today's age is, like, immense. Well, yes,
1: because you can take, but you can take one picture and it's everywhere.
0: Well, and today, pictures are free to take. Right
1: yeah she was not walking down the street having her photo taken they were saying miss hayworth will you do this yes and, and it's an
0: actual it. film that has to be developed and yes. processed and there printed is that.
1: so that same year she did her first life magazine cover and then there was the photograph so this photograph to me did not look like a 1941 photograph. It was a 1941 41 photograph for Life Magazine. It was her kneeling on a bed. She is smiling. She's in this beautiful negligee that has a black lace top and a ivory satin skirt. And she's kneeling on this bed on ivory satin sheets. And she's just laughing. Like she's happy. It's not... A sexy come hither look it's not the classic pinup with her like hand behind her head and the bathing suit she's just sitting there on her bed having a good time and this picture became the second most requested pinup in world war ii oh wow um it was second only to the betty grable photograph in the bathing suit the negligee that she wore in the photo recently sold for 26,888 dollars wow that's a lot um in march of 1942 hayworth visited brazil as a cultural ambassador for the roosevelt administration during the good neighbor policy under the auspices of the office of coordinator of interior american affairs um during the 1940s she was very involved with the ociaa's cultural diplomacy initiatives she was in support of the pan-americanism though through broadcast to South America. She used her Spanish language to broadcast to them. She was very very involved in the pro-American war efforts. Nice. Yes. So around this time she um embarks on her second marriage, which is one of those true Hollywood love stories. This marriage was one of those ones where for the rest of their lives they saw each other as the loves of their lives they couldn't quit each other they could not quit each other they came back together several times um but ultimately could not make it work um the wedding was a very low-key affair at hayworth wore a blouse and skirt and she surprised most of her friends when she came up as the wife of orson wells <gasps>
0: oh <laughs> that's shocking
1: yes so her and orson wells just have this like iconic absolutely beautiful little american 1940s love house did not see that coming um they have they have a baby right away rebecca wells and they just snap all these pictures of these little cute domestic scenes and just cute little things all over but then you know orson wells is brilliant Mm -hmm. and genius and a lot of times what goes with brilliant and genius is crazy crazy and so she's actually quoted as saying i just could not take his brilliance any longer
0: (laughs) the crazy was getting in the way the crazy was
1: getting in the way um so (laughs) orson wells was he was He pursued her after seeing a photograph taken of her and they married on September 7th, 1943 during the run of the Mercury Wonder Show. It wasn't... She... He thought... And this is something that she said all of her life. He thought that he was marrying this beautiful, lovely sex goddess. And then what he got was Rita Hayworth who wanted to have a baby and house and a normal life he enjoyed the baby in the house for the most part but he also wanted this other stuff he didn't think he
0: thought it was going to be all the shiny stuff
1: all the shiny stuff she wanted to settle down and build a home and he said i just can't do that i'm so sorry thanks for playing um, when I suggested, or one of her quotes is, during the entire period of our marriage, he showed no interest in establishing a home. They already have a baby. When I when I suggested purchasing a home, he told me he didn't want the responsibility. Mr. Wells told me he, however, that he should never marry me in the first place. I interfered with his freedom and his way of life.
0: I mean, don't we all know somebody like that, though? Like,
1: I feel like I'm somewhat like that. I mean, it, that's a common yes theme it's coming i love my family i adore my family but there's a lot of things that i would like to do Mm -hmm. but i I have a family and i chose this and i have i'm very pleased to punch with this i love this i do so i think i'm kind of a cross between the two i don't know you're like both of them together both of them together i do not think i'm as genius as orson welles and i do not think i'm as beautiful as rita Hayworth. (laughs) just get that straight um on november 10th 1947 she was granted a divorce And it became final the following year. However, for the rest of her life, she would call Wells the greatest love of her life. Um, During her marriage to Wells, her career continued to be great. Even though she's wanting to be home, she's still making movies. She she does the film, which cemented her as a Hollywood sex goddess in 1946 with Glenn Ford, who she had an on-and-off-again affair with her entire life oh interesting yes
0: she apparently there's a lot of people she can't quit there's
1: a lot of people she cannot quit there are pictures in the 60s of her and glenn ford having dinner together oh Now they never married they never had anything official but there they were on and off there her entire life so her it was gilda in 1946 and she um in that she got to do a strip tease, which she got to do herself which was a big bone of contention because she wanted to sing her own part she wanted to learn to sing she felt that she was such this big world war ii icon and she went around to these uso tours and the soldiers would beg her to sing and she couldn't sing Aww. she kept asking the studio give me singing lessons i want to learn how to do this and they're like oh we don't have time oh there's not time in this film we'll step you so they constantly dubbed her um but in gilda she she sang the strip tease, put the blame on mame um, however for the rest of her life she often said that people men would go to bed with gilda and then disappointed when they woke up with rita
0: that's a whole thing from orson he left her with that
1: he well i think her father was somewhat in that too oh, okay
0: that makes her sense. her
1: dad was somewhat in that too and the things that her dad put her through but orson big time caused this he he, he was a big orchestrator orchestrator in this whole complex of they want this and they're just yeah when they see this because that is what she had with him she wanted she thought that she was marrying someone to have this domestic bliss and he thought he was marrying the sex goddess who was going to play not fun but she keeps repeating that pattern yeah she keeps repeating which I, is why i think it comes from daddy. i was like that does point to daddy issues yes because she keeps repeating that pattern so anyway um wells said that she would often go into these and this is interesting to me given what i know about her in later life even at this point in her life, she will go into these rages for seemingly no reason. She would um, get in the car and drive, and he would have to, like, dive to get in the car with her to keep her from going off a cliff. Oh, wow. Or he would have to physically restrain her arms because she would be so upset and so angry. She, he, all, he made a point to say never with me, but then he said the most angry he ever saw her was, um, is that here? was when um, the, Bik- the new nuclear bomb was set to be tested at Bikini Atoll in the Pacific Ocean. Um, the soldiers had painted her picture on the bomb with her picture in the dress and, or in the nightgown with the world's Gilda over it, and she was furious. She did not want her photo associated with that. She wanted to hold a press conference and petition Washington. And he said that he convinced her to not do this. He said it would, it would come across as unpatriotic. And he later said that he wanted his daughter to be able to say to her daughter, your grandma's picture was on the last atom bomb ever detonated. Now, sadly it wasn't it was not but i, I totally at get, the time they thought it might be
0: yeah i get her thing but at the same time she by not doing anything that was the right thing
1: yes he he tried to make her understand that it was not something that was they were not trying to use her as a political ploy the soldiers were saying you are beautiful we love you you're our bombshell this is a bombshell yeah so she she eventually got that um so in 1947 wells directs her in the lady in shanghai in which she did not dance she did not sing she was not beautiful it was his way of trying to be smart he was being artsy he was being artsy um it was considered and this is a quote in hindsight the film functions as a huge fuck you wells made hayworth cut her trademark auburn curls and dyed what remained of her off-putting hair a platinum blonde he took away her trademark skills her ability to dance to make her hair bounce and to move that had typified her performance to this point so this was he he really broke with what the studio was wanting from her with what she was known for and it hurt her oh for sure um it was today we they call it an oscar turn then they just called it artsy (laughs) whatever yeah crap um he was trying to make something quote fancy and this was not she was she was a dancer she was a happy look at my golden curls bounce person not this artsy yeah dark yes so she eventually splits it from him um she She plays Carmen to Glenn Ford's Don Juan. And as Carmen hits the theaters, she's all over the gossip columns columns with her brand new romance that she found when she went to Europe. Now, some people say that she went to Europe for the Cannes Film Festival. And other people say that she went to Europe to have an abortion of Howard Hughes' child. Oh. This is circling back. (laughs) So It's one or the other. She was either there to promote films and go see a film festival or, you know, to have an abortion from Howard Hughes, which was a, a previous podcast. Um, Spruce first, Goose. Spruce <laughs> Goose. But in July of 14, 1948, during she, the gossip columnist Eliza Maxwell throws a party on the French Riviera and young Miss Hayworth, who's been married twice and has a baby, is introduced to Prince ali khan ali khan who is a direct descendant of the prophet muhammad oh that's he's an important dude yeah that's a big deal yes his family does not have any um physical territory to rule over but they rule over this section of um the Muslim religion, and they are considered royalty. Now, there was another Hollywood starlet at the time who was also dating a prince who was a quote-unquote white prince, and Ali Khan was not. No, he was a a royal, and he was a quote-unquote white royal who Ali Khan was not, but this other person was like, who I wish I'd written down her name, but I didn't, was venerated and just, you're horrible, how could you do this? And hayworth was you're gonna marry a prince that's
0: strange you're gonna be
1: a princess and so yes um they had quite the whole love affair he was known for being a playboy and he pursued her kind of relentlessly um he was very afraid that she would return to hollywood so he arranged a trip to spain where he um introduced her to his entire family he took her to his father's jubilee where at his father's jubilee they weighed him against gold oh my gosh so they took this man and they weighed him against gold and said king blah 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 he's worth his weight in gold it was yeah it was a whole big thing um, she danced the flamenco with her grandfather. They went to Spain and visited her family, and she danced the flamenco with her grandfather. And the this very much endured her to the European set, who was who was behind this prince.
0: Show me um, some of your flamenco dancing. She danced dancing. like a real Spaniard, they Show. said. Yeah. <laughs> Pass me a bottle, Mr. Jones. So
1: he <laughs> proposes to her, and she... They're both married. But he proposes and they both obtain divorces immediately. <laughs> um, at first she says no, but then she says yes. And she goes home and got, gets her daughter, Rebecca, and blah, blah, blah. Then he follows her to Mediterranean, to the Mediterranean. And he plies her with gifts and gets her a poodle. And she's like, please blah, blah, blah. And so they, they were married eventually on May 27th, 1949. The pictures are Gorgeous. Now, this is her third marriage, and I think want to say his second or fourth. I'm not sure which. Um, but she left a contract to do this marriage. Um, in 1943, she was suspended without pay because she refused to appear in a movie. Um, Once Upon a Time. And she was very upset that she could not re- re- approve her films. She... Eventually signs a new contract with a salary of two hundred fifty thousand dollars plus fifty percent of her profits. But by nineteen fifty one, Columbia had alleged they had invested eight hundred thousand dollars in in properties for her, and she had walked out to marry the prince. Ouch. Yes. So this is a problem she continues their wedding was marked as one the first time that a hollywood actress has become a princess so this is before grace grace and seven months after the wedding they have a beautiful baby girl that one cooked fast well she was a preemie but she was you know Fully formed. Fully formed. (laughs) Um, It's what they call a
0: fully formed premature baby. A fully
1: formed premature baby. Happened all the time in the 40s. Um, December 28th, 1949, their daughter, Princess Yasmin Agi Khan, was born, and at the point that she is now the mother of a princess, all is forgiven by the American public. It's fine. It's fine, Rita. It's fine. We love our royals. We do love our royals. She, however probably this was not the best marriage for her because he is quite the playboy he is a prince after all and when he was spotted in the same hotel where he had met her dancing with another woman she leaves she takes their daughter yasmin who and she comes back home to the united states he says give me the baby and i'll give you a million dollars she said no She said, no, she claimed that her, this, this was quite the, um, it was, it was really hard for her. She had a lot of financial problems at this point because he was not giving her any money. Orson Welles was not paying child support because, you know, he's an artist. And so she's really, really struggling. Um, she said no because she felt that her daughter's American citizenship was worth more than the million dollars she saw what how women were treated in many of the muslim countries at the time and it's gotten worse since and she did not want to give up her daughter's chance and choice at freedom for anything she really she struggled and suffered during this time financially because of this choice that was probably the right choice it was totally the right choice she eventually allowed her to see him and spend some time with him um so she did have a relationship with her father however her father was killed in an auto accident when she was 11 Yasmin's father yes yeah um she comes back to hollywood and she's put back in a comeback picture with glenn ford this is now her third picture with him um and under the director vincent sherman and she's she's really trying to get back. The picture ends up grossing a million dollars, which was more than Gilda, but it was not as well known and received as Gilda, even though it made more money um, in 1952. Which she still needs the money, so I'm not sure why she did this. She did not like the script that she was given, so she didn't go to work.
0: She seems to just not give an F. She
1: kind of doesn't. Yeah. Kind of does. If she when, doesn't
0: like it. She's not gonna do well, it. Well,
1: okay i say that but she's she's looking for love and approval and we'll find out why i mean okay true let me just finish (laughs) so she says no to this film and in 1953 she did do two films um Salome with Charles Lawton and Stuart Granger and Miss Sadie Thompson with Jose Farrar and Aldo Aldo Ray. Around the same time, she meets a man named Dick Hames in 1952. He's still married. He's having all kinds of financial problems. He is a big shot singer in Vegas, but people are not coming to his show. She's in a custody battle with the prince. She's struggling to get support from wells and but when she shows up at dick's shows a lot more people come that's curious yes and so while they're dating um he decides that marrying her will help his career so they get married the sands hotel builds them this cake that is probably the same size as my recliner (laughs) and they he really thought that marrying her would help him because he is being indicted by u.s officials trying to have him deported to argentina because he's an illegal alien he's also being sued by multiple ex-wives for child support and she assumes responsibility for his citizenship and his debts
0: he she got played
1: again yeah she got played so the two were married on September 24th, 1953 at the Sands Hotel in Las Vegas with the wedding procession that went through the casino. Their relationship was horribly abusive and tumultuous, and after two years together, he slapped her in the face in 1955 in the middle of the Coconut Grove nightclub, and she walked away and never saw him again.
0: That's just, I mean, who didn't see that coming? Correct. Even the Sands, like, they used her too.
1: Oh, big time so this was a publicity stunt yeah the wedding procession goes through the middle of the casino yeah yeah how many tickets did they sell um so she this assault just completely shakes her she has to stay in bed for several days now this is 1955 so she has to stay in bed for several days she's completely short on money she's cannot get any child support from the prince she cannot get any child support from wells she's got these two little girls the film industry is wanting her to do things that she's not quite sure. Um, in 1955, she was released from her contract and she asked for her $150,000 salary, but she did not show up on time to film Joseph and His Brethren in 1961. And they filmed they filmed it later in 1961. It was supposed to start in 55. She didn't go. They filmed it later and everything was fine. But um, she was just in all kinds of trouble. She felt that, quote unquote, Harry Cohen owned me. Um, It says, where's the whole quote? I was in Switzerland when they sent me me the script for a fair in Trinidad that I threw across the room, but I did the picture and pal Joey too. I came back to Columbia because I wanted to work at first to see I had to finish that goddamn contract, which is how Harry Cohen owned me. So she's off the big screen for another four years, um, be, mostly because of the marriage she's when that dies down blah 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 she finally returns to the big screen in fire down below in 1957 um but by this time kim novak is columbia's big star and she's just kind of this afterthought her last picture musical was pal joey in 1957 and this time she leaves columbia for good um harry cohen set, died but she she still hated him in a 1968 interview she says i used to have a bunch of climb talk clock, time clock at columbia every day of my life that's what it was like i was under the exclusive contract like they owned me i think they had my dressing room bugged he was very possessive over me as a person he didn't want me to go out with anybody or have any friends. No one can live that way, so I fought him. You want to know what I think of Harry Cohen? He was a monster, and this is after he died. Now, she's saying all these things and doing all these things, and just think about that as we progress through the story. Um, she's very upset they didn't train her to sing. She wanted to study singing, but Cohen just kept saying no she does sing in blame it on Mame" in gilda um but that is her but she feels that she's she really feels inferior with her singing she gets very upset when she has to sing in a uso show because she feels like she's letting the troops down because she doesn't sound like she did in the pictures yeah because she wasn't because she wasn't that wasn't her singing um in 1957 Cohen was interviewed by Time Magazine, and he says they hated each other. He says, Hayworth might be worth $10 million today easily. She owned 25% of the profits of her own company and had hit after hit, and she had to get married and had to get out of the business and took a suspension because she fell in love again. In five years, at two years of picture, at 25%, think of what she could have made. But she didn't make pictures. She took two or three suspensions, got mixed up with different characters. Unpredictable so in 1958 she marries her fifth and final husband producer james hill Um, they married on february 2nd 1958 they were also had very horrible times um charlton heston and his wife went on a double date with rita and james and he proceeded to just publicly humiliate her and annihilate her and say horrible things to the point where she was sitting at the table with her hand head in her hands crying and charlton heston to the day he died said that that was his biggest regret that he got up and left the table and did not say anything oh that's sad he never saw Rita hayworth again but he completely regretted i'm ashamed of walking away from his hayward's humiliation i never saw her again so that was one of his bigger regrets um she continues to try and make movies she makes a one final movie in the 1970s 1972 the 54 year old hayward wanted to retire from acting but she needed money because all these ex-husbands have continually taken and taken and taken her money so at the suggestion of robert mitchum she made the wrath of god but by this point her she's had health issues now her daughter yasmin has taken care of her during this time and everybody thought she was an alcoholic they were just like she's an alcoholic she cannot stay sober she's got alcoholic dementia she cannot remember anything during this movie which was a western they had to film her scenes one scene at a time because she was unable to remember her lines she had parkinson's not parkinson's um alzheimer's yes so they her daughter remember growing up being concerned that she was alcoholic. alcoholic. they remember she had a drinking problem but they could but they were able to cope with the ups and downs however in march of 1974 she had both brothers die within a week and then at january of 1974 she was removed from a twa flight after having an outburst with an agent and she they said quote the this is yasmin her daughter it was outburst she'd fly into a rage i can't tell you i thought it was alcoholism alcoholic dementia we all thought that the papers picked that up of course and you can't imagine the relief just getting the diagnosis we at last had a name alzheimer's of course that didn't really come about until the last seven or eight years she wasn't diagnosed with alzheimer's until 1980 oh so her kids had this whole time she was completely estranged from her daughter rebecca because of her outbursts and all of her outbursts not all of them but the majority of them were due to go away i'm giving them kiddie purse oh okay if you heard that, that was the purse of kitchen. Daughters have come home. He's very happy to see his mommy. He's so fat, Holly. He really fat. <laughs> um, I want to eat chips, but I don't... Okay, go away. I'm almost finished. I don't
0: know. Then we just have two more after that.
1: <laughs> so in July of 1981, Hay- Hayworth's health had deteriorated to the point that a judge at Los Angeles Superior Court said that she had to be placed under the care of her daughter, Princess Yasmine Aga Khan of New York City. She lived in an apartment at the San Remo Cent- Central Park West for the rest of her life, with her daughter having an adjoining apartment, um, and she was under her care for the final years. In 1983, Rebecca Wells, who had been estranged from her mother, arranged to see her mother for the first time in seven years, and she later spoke to a longtime friend, Roger Hill, about it, and um, and she said, Rita barely knew knows me now. Well, well said that. Um, Rebecca said, when it was over, I came over to her table and I saw that she was very beautiful and very re- reposed looking. She did not know me at first. After about four minutes of speaking, I could see that she realized who I was and she began to cry quietly. Aww. Um, She gave an interview the evening before her death in 1985. Wells gave an interview the evening before his death in 1985, and he said of Hayworth, um, she was one of the dearest and sweetest women that ever lived. Ironically, considering that she died of Alzheimer's, Reagan, President Ronald Reagan, and his wife gave a statement upon her death saying rita hayworth was one of the country's most beloved stars glamorous and talented she gave us many wonderful moments on the stage and screen and delighted audience from the time she was young a young girl nancy and i are saddened by rita's death she was a friend of all and whom we will miss and then just a few years later he was diagnosed with alzheimer's that's right sad so yeah kind of a bummer she just kept looking for the love that she was trying to get from daddy never did and never did and had these five horrible horrible husbands tragic yeah but that's margarita
0: yeah i mean they're both pretty tragic stories but the
1: (laughs) The drink was drink was not tragic the drink was amazing best margarita i've ever had so super cute balloon animal earrings child number one love so, not an expert on Mexican drug cartels nor glamorous nineteen forties Hollywood. I kind stars. of am an
0: expert on the drink, though.
1: You are an expert on the drink. I guess that makes Mia us a drunk.
0: As always, you can contact us on Facebook at Crime and Time OTR.
1: On Instagram, we are Crime and Time OTR. On Twitter, we're at Crime and Time OTR. And our email is timeotr at gmail.com. Email is where where you will want to send us cocktail suggestions, things you want to learn about. Yeah. yeah. Or just say hi. Or just say hi. And we also have a new Patreon page
0: if you want to buy us
1: a drink. Buy us a drink. So that is... patreon.com slash crimeandtimeotr. And we're going to be offering some perks for our patrons. Absolutely. I'm excited. See you there.
0: Thank you for listening.